Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about the Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Joining me today, they just got finished feeding their pet donkey. It's Arjun Call. Arjun, how's it going? Oh, I hadn't prepared my like, like, what, what like, how's it going blur, mental blurb yet. Okay, it, it's going, it's going great. It's going okay. It's, you know, no, no friends have recently like abandoned me to try and, you know, compose sort of uh, pieces that they will be remembered. You by. could, you, you could have just said Jenny was doing well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also joining me, he's just finishing uh, composing his great work of music that's going to outlive him. It's Holden Martinson. Holden, what's going on? I, it was going well, but Josh, I was. <sighs> I'm having this breakthrough right here, and all I hear is going, yep, yep, yeah, podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast, donkey, donkey, donkey. And I, Josh, I can't do podcasts with you anymore. All right. Let's, let's just hope we don't bore you. Let's just hope we don't bore you to death and cause you to just like walk away and give up us, give up on us as friends in the, in the next hour. Okay. With with little to no explanation. All right. Look, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not me. It's you. Well, it's a little me, but it's mostly you. Yeah. Um, it's great to be back. And, yeah, uh, and so shortly after, uh, you know, 3000 years, which was a blast. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I guess it was the, the, the first the first time you've returned for a second podcast within a calendar year. So I was glad yeah. we were able to get, I was glad, glad we were able to get you back for one. And then for the first time for the second time with another guest. Uh, the Banshees of Inisherin is again the newest film from writer director Martin McDonough. His uh, first his, his first film since I guess 2017's three boards three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. But his first with uh, is kind of a, a, a him reuniting with uh, stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson for the first time since they starred in his uh, to, his 2008 movie in Bruges. Uh, but Banshees of Inner Sheeran is set, you know, nearly 100 years ago in a fictitious Irish town of Inner Sheeran. It's also during the Irish Civil War. And this is just like a, you know, very, very small kind of village where uh, just for as long as anyone in, the, in this small community can remember, uh, two friends named uh, Podrick and Colm, played by Farrell and Gleason, respectively, have just always every day gone down to the pub and had a pint of Guinness together. And one day, inexplicably, uh, Colm decide it just doesn't show up. And Patrick is confused and tries to go find him. And Colm won't really give him much of an answer as to why he didn't come and keeps bothering him. And eventually says, look, I just don't want to hang out anymore. I don't like you. And, uh, you know, it's Podrick, who is just about the nicest, happy-go-lucky guy, if not just kind of a simpleton about it, and might be part of what bothers Colm. Can't just can't really wrap his mind around that. Why, why, why doesn't this guy want to be friends with me? And it's harder for him to kind of take no for an answer because what has he ever done to really offend anyone? It's just very perplexing to him. And he keeps bothering Colm, and Colm just keeps getting even more agitated as he can't take a hint. So much so that he says, "If you don't leave me alone, I'm going to start chopping off my fingers one by one." And you know, that self-mutilation begins and this movie turns into something uh, much, much different. Uh, guys, I, I, I actually really didn't know much about the plot of this movie other than that it was somewhat of a movie about friendship before I saw it. And people had talked about it being like, oh, man, this is such a hilarious movie. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. And just a, just just a great movie that great bounce back from Mark McDonough about friendship. So if you don't know anything more than that going into a movie like this, you, you can kind of see how I'm going it, to it's going to like really, really kind of. I don't even know if mess with me. It's the right word, but it's kind of throw me off because I really didn't know what to expect and did not expect something kind of was expecting something like less gruesome, but also like bigger in scope at the same time. So I was like kind of thrown for a loop when I, when I actually saw this. And so Arjun, I'm wondering, uh, first of all, like, uh, you, you kind of like, uh, reached out to me way earlier this year about wanting to do this one. So I'm guessing you're somewhat of a Martin McDonough fan. I'm wondering, uh, what, I, I don't even know what to say. What, what did you know about this going in, but based on like, uh, what, whatever it was that kind of re really piqued your interest about this movie, did it, did it upend your expectations in any way and for good or for bad? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the McDonald Brothers. I think I think on the whole, I prefer John Michael over Martin. If I had to pick, because I think Calvary is sort of one of the uh, best movies of the 2010s, and it like sort of, and you know, even Calvary is great. The Guard is great. Even War on Everyone, which it's kind of. Uh, um, I think uh, Daniel was saying um, he's surprised that I love that movie. And yeah, it's, it is sort of like it really pushes the envelope on certain things, but it's sort of, it still has like a, a kind heart at the end, or it's still, you know, a heart that wants to be directed towards kindness. And I think uh, that's more present in the Brothers movies than Martin's. But I think um, even, you know, it's a similar style, similar sort of. Actually, I think this one, Entries of Inisherin, might is something that, even though I liked it, might have been better in the hands of Martin. You know, I don't have much that's negative to say about the movie. I wish I had liked it more, but I did like it. I just didn't like, you know, I, I like I wasn't sort of raving. I, I wish it went more. I wish it did certain things differently. I think. I think um, that said, it's still you know, solid like four, four and five, <laughs> at least kind of. It's it's really. I was, ex you were right in that I was expecting much bigger in scope. Like even the smaller dramas that the McDonald's have done seem sort of bigger in scope than this one. This this was really like forming characters kind of, that's like, yeah, even then that's like stretching it. And I don't know, in areas where it surpassed my expectations, at least, I think um, I loved how tragic it got. I loved how um, one of the great tricks that the movie pulls, I think, is like, by the end, you don't really blame Brendan Gleeson's character. You don't, you don't really blame, blame Colm for like, what he's done even though there's no obvious reason given by the end it's still the same thing that he's been saying like you know the whole movie the sort of like the wanting to sort of make something that'll outlive him like the sort of and, and i got the sense that this is sort of like column is someone who feels like he's grown old very suddenly like he suddenly was just like oh my god what a, like you know that that sense really like got to me by the end of the movie that sense that he was just like sudden like suddenly feeling like oh my god what like you know i've done i, I haven't i haven't lived the life i've wanted to i haven't done anything and you know that that sense that Brendan Gleeson conveyed with that made me sympathize with this character a lot more, which is a great trick that, yeah, I think the movie pulls. Outside of, outside of just the interplay between the two characters, I, I don't think the movie goes as far as I wanted to. I wanted it to be sort of engaged more with the place that they're in. Obviously, the Irish Civil War is a big part of the movie. Obviously, you know, I, I wanted them to stress further that, like, it's it, this is how big a part of their lives this is. The war or their relationship? The war. The war. Okay. Oh, interesting. I, well, it's interesting you say that, because, like, I was listening to an interview with uh, with Martin McDonough, and he was like, and, and I was talking to Holden a little bit about this before we got on, before we started, before you got on the Zoom, and, we, and then we started recording, where it was like, I mean, it's kind of funny. It's 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 an interesting backdrop that he chose, because in theory, you could set a movie like this in in any time period and still keep largely the same story even if like you know i think if this was done in a time of like you know a, mo a more modern time it'd be it'd still be a very different movie you could still keep some of the same beats but like at the same time the the irish civil war as i understand it from the little i've read about it and the what i've talked to holden about it fairly pointless enterprise and honestly the conflict here is like something that spin like festers for like uh it's you know it, it speaks to the kind of petty grievances that can when left unsaid can turn into something bigger and this is something that didn't need to really be what it ultimately turned into but at the same time mcdonough said in that interview he didn't really want he didn't want to be too heavy-handed about that but like at the same time it is it like it is it is kind of it's interesting i can see why someone would want to be a little would feel compelled to have a little bit more explanation as to how these characters are feeling about that when like there are multiple times throughout the movie where they stop and just like listen to battles uh which is which is interesting when like the setting is like you know this seemingly like very peaceful village you're, you're kind of right and like look how like idyllic this place is it would presumably like really screw with this like little quaint places like their their, their overall vibe and like their way of life to just like have a war going on like with an earshot 
Hold on. I, I, I'm curious. Uh, I, I want to pick up on a couple of things Arjun said and kind of let you get off any other more general overall takes you wanted to start with. But what, what did you kind of feel about the part that Arjun said about he was ultimately pretty impressed, though, with like how the movie left him like kind of feeling like both guys kind of had a point. And I think it's like, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if there's like really a bad there's no there's not really a good way to end a friendship, you know. And, and I feel like, you know, you kind of go through life expecting like romantic relationships to maybe come and go in a way you don't expect that to happen with like regular friendships. You know, it's like with a romantic partner or something like you just like kind of fall out of love and it's a thing like people break up, you know, but at the same time, like it seems like a friendship breaking up is like more unnatural. And I think there's a way in which like the guy breaking up the friendship with the seemingly sweet guy. And I mean, it is, in my opinion, is it is an incredible Colin Farrell performance. I, I've been a little more uh, tapped out on the awards race than I have been in almost any year since I've in the last 10 years is because I've had a very busy year at work, but like, I didn't even realize till a few days ago, like he was kind of at the top of like a lot of people's like, you know, best actor predictions, which I mean, I'd be totally cool with, but like, it's just like when he's giving such an interesting performance where he's making this guy seem so like, kind of like, you know, puppy dog faced, uh, there's a way in which like the Brendan Gleeson character Colm comes out of this. Just You just don't like him by the end for what he's kind of put this guy through mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I can kind of see what Arjun's saying at the same time where it's like, you don't, you're not, you're not like totally like against Colm by the end of the movie. I'm wondering if you were left with any overall feelings about like, just how McDonough kind of pulled that off and just where you ultimately came down on why you think you enjoyed the film as much as you did. Cause I think you might be a little higher on it than Arjun. Yeah. Uh, gosh, uh, where, do, where do we begin? So the friendship of it all, I think the thing with ending a friendship is that it's harder to end a friendship. With a romantic relationship, the stakes are so high. It requires, it's such a, a big um, investment that it's usually easier to see um, why people might be like, this is too much, why people might need to end relationships like that. Whereas friendships are lower stakes they demand less typically. And even here, Brendan Gleeson's Colm character can barely articulate why he doesn't want to be friends with, with Colin Farrell anymore. And and that's so much about what the movie is, is about these two inarticulate men failing to acknowledge their own feelings, their own ennui and depression. And I do think the film does a, a really careful job of of letting you know that that neither of these characters are are necessarily right or more correct than the other they're both messy and they're both sympathetic I, I, if anything i think at the beginning podrick pork they pronounce his name different ways in the movie um and of course there's like just gaelic pronunciations and uh, we'll say podrick uh you know he's very sympathetic at the beginning because because Colm is being really rude. He's like, this guy's just dumb. He doesn't get my thing with playing the fiddle. I don't want to be his friend and I'm going to die and I need to focus on the thing that will make me remembered. And then by the end, Podrick is, you know, he's defined as the nicest guy on the island. And by the end, he's kind of a monster. Um, He's like, the one redeeming thing is that he didn't kill a dog. Meanwhile, Colm is like, I'm so sorry about all of this. Like he starts as the snob and then by the end is like he is is much more um, willing to he, he's, he's he's much more conciliatory and he's apologizing and he really is trying to be and he's never like he also doesn't have hands. He also doesn't have hands. So kind of just pathetic. <laughs> he's yeah. yeah. By the way, guys, I don't really care if we spoil this because we're doing it pretty far after it's already going to be almost out of yeah. theaters when I post it. So it'll get another theater run when uh, Oscar nominations Awards, come out and yeah. people can have spoiler warnings then. And this is going to be an awards player for sure. Like, yeah, the like this is a very weird season because there are so few locked 
things, but Gleason and Farrell are basically locks. I Which is say. awesome because like, I think they're like two of our more our better actors that just don't have Oscar nominations. So I'm very Never nominated. Yeah, yeah. Like, and they should have several nominations mm -hmm. between them. But anyway, um, yeah. Um, yeah. That Kong just can't put a finger on what's wrong with, uh, his life. Um, and like he goes to confession and he has been wrestling with despair. Um, of course, but uh, doesn't really con confront it or acknowledge that it's there until the very end. I, I think that's that's sort of the point, you know, the larger point of the movie. Um, the thing that helps it speak to the Irish Civil War, that helps it speak to, to many and even contemporary political moments, which is that there are these minute differences that feel very ingrained in these opposing factions that then breed more contempt and violence and and that never really go away like as we were talking about beforehand like this movie ends on some kind of resolution but you know that there's still bad blood of some kind like maybe they'll be friends at some point but there is likely a lot of resentment going forward and just like at the end of the irish civil war you know they the fighting stops and they eventually do be in ireland does become an independent nation separate from the british empire in every capacity but then you have the troubles that go on for decades and and just more violence and even today there is a very tenuous truce um, or sense of balance between warring irish factions it gets at that sense of unease that sense of like of things getting out of control because people just will not budge you know, they want very different things and cannot compromise or communicate exactly it is why they want what they want. And that's really why I, I love this movie so much. You know, maybe it's not like my 10 of the year, but it's certainly my favorite Martin McDonough film. I'm not as familiar with his with his brother's work, and um, I, I can't really speak to McDonough's work as a playwright. Playwright, yeah. playwright stuff, yeah. I, I generally like his movies. You know, Three Billboards, I, you know, sort of soured for me as it as I sat with it. I don't hate that movie, but I do think it's the thing where he was a little too ambitious and it doesn't all quite fit together. Whereas a movie like Banshees of Inisherin, like in Bruges, where the premises are like, they're, they're very simple. In Bruges is a guy's waiting out in purgatory for judgment. And Banshees of Inisherin is one friend doesn't want to be friends with the other. And then all of the idiosyncrasies and thematic preoccupations with fairness and justice that really occupy McDonough's film work, at least, are allowed to, to, to unfold more organically when they're not constrained by these super specific premises, like in Seven Psychopaths, which is so messy. And I love that movie in many ways, um, but it does sort of feel very ungainly and three billboards which can just has so many loose ends and can never quite tie everything together i think whereas this you can certainly argue that it doesn't feel as satisfying or maybe even as ambitious but i do think it is a very complete work um even though i'm still wrestling with with some of my feelings for it i also just love that it's a beautifully crafted film like obviously it's it's a period piece that takes place in the 20th century but is ostensibly a century ago, which is so strange to think about. But uh, Ben Davis's photography, who's, you know, been working with McDonough for his last, you know, since Seven Psychopaths, is just really beautiful and, and, and very purposeful. There's just a lot of borrowed light, a lot of subtle um, choices um, that help you feel the kind of sense of isolation and darkness within this community where people cling to each other in ways that are kind of unhealthy where like the storekeeper is like a rabid gossip 
and he's like, what's the news on the other side of the island? And no one wants to give her the satisfaction. Yeah, I just, there's there's a lot of like about this movie. It does a good job of like letting you know what's going on in that place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very, very, very good sense of place. You, you, you threw a lot at us there, but I, one thing I did want to pick up what you were putting down was what you were saying about how these guys have just a lot of trouble communicating. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that, that, that's, that, that's, a, that's just like a very interesting through line where it's like, sometimes like when it's like, like sometimes like movies or TV shows where it's like, man, this whole thing could have been solved if one person said like one thing to one other person differently and then we'd be gone. Sometimes it feels like a plot device. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, this is frustrating. Like if one, like one person withholding one thing, it's like, and that that's, turns into a whole other thing. It's like, uh, that seems like a little too contrived, but like mm-hmm. here, it like truly feels like these guys, like uh, it, 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 the movie understands who they are. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering, like wondering Arjun, like, did you, I mean, I feel like I've heard some people talk about it a little bit as like a, you know, some kind of like some kind of treatise on some kind of masculinity that just like prevents people, pre- prevents men from being able to actually like express how they're feeling. I'm wondering if, if that was something you were thinking a lot about as you watched this, or there was something about uh, something, was there something else about uh, Podrick and Colm that really like kind of stuck with you that made it so like, obviously this is like a very heightened thing where like, you're not, not going to necessarily see like someone taking the steps Colm is in the real world. What, was there something else that kind of like allowed you to like kind of connect to these characters such that it just didn't like just turn into a story that was too ridiculous for you to like actually get behind? You know, part of the reason that I that I wanted it to go um, a bit further in terms of like character motivation, or you know, yeah. like you know, just yeah, like or at least how they outwardly express it is because yeah, I, I was honestly it it did get you know quote unquote like outrageous at times, but I found that it it didn't really, you know, I I, I bought what they were doing the whole time. Calm like through the whole movie, like I love the way that the movie makes makes you feel sort of the sense of like terrifying loneliness. It, it is almost loneliness, sort of like a midlife crisis, but like a thousand times worse, like loneliness, um, yeah, despair that he feels. And you can see what, you know, even if you wouldn't do these things based on that, you can see like we all know someone who would kind of. Well, it's interesting. I think I, I one thing I think is like, I feel like I know a lot of people in life who like, I don't want to say as a point of pride, but like I, maybe it's just because it's not, it's not the kind of person I am but sometimes people like to be like in a not so not super ironic way, like to just be like, well, I don't really like people or uh, I, I just, you know, like people sometimes say it that way, but it's not like a, not, not as much of a joke as you would like, as you would necessarily think it's like, all right, well, that's fine. You're just not necessarily like maybe as social as a person. And you're, you're, you're just like, you're more of a homebody and you just don't really want to like, you know, don't, don't really like going out. And some people like have their own social anxieties, which is perfectly okay. And so it's like, you can kind of like kind of understand like maybe some you can kind of relate to it a little bit what Colm is expressing and that like yeah not everyone has to necessarily want to go to drink at a pub every day like that's totally fine same time like he goes about doing it and maybe like not the most delicate manner but I'm but 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 I'm, but I'm also wondering like were you thinking while I was watching it like what is what what is our responsibility to like actually like care for other people and consider their feelings versus your own and I think that like even if like Martin McDonough finds like a fairly like brutal way to like go about telling that story. And his movies do have a certain amount of violence in them at the same time. I think it's like an interesting thing to ponder. Cause like, yeah, I mean, maybe sometimes people are just fairly brash. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't want people. I don't, I don't want to, I don't like people. I'm not a people person, whatever. At the same time, like you probably should consider other people's feelings, but at the same time, like there's also nothing wrong with like making sure you take care of yourself. So I'm wondering like, is was that like kind of like some kind of tightrope you were thinking about as you were watching the movie? With with that maybe like not exactly like what what's our responsibility to take to, to to take care of others but like more like what's our responsibility to accept change especially when it comes to others I like that this movie both seem to end on like these two people both have immensely like I don't want to say toxic but I can't think of a better word so toxic ways of like dealing with you know 
like change and living in a time like not just living in a time of like great upheaval like you know you were saying that this movie could have been set anytime this movie could have like yeah this movie could have been set now but i only think it would have worked if it had like you know acknowledged things like the great upheavals that always exist in the background like the fact that we're how they could be way too much social media stalking if this movie happened yeah. today or something exactly like social like you know social media stalking the pandemic any like any magic it doesn't need to have them in the movie but it at least need to you know say like acknowledge that these like the, the, the these are the weight that the characters are living are living their lives under and yeah like these characters are living the like living their lives under the weight of the irish civil war but also under, under the weight of like you know aging and dealing with like um just just yeah like growing older having not accomplished anything you like want to having like and that's like brendan gleason's or colm is trying to deal with that change and patrick is similarly uh, that's that's what i found the role of masculinity was in the movie sort of like is it like it exists as sort of like a buffer to change in this movie it's, it exists like there, there's a lot of there, there's so much stuff in this movie where if you stop and if you stop and look for a minute or if you stop and think it's really beautiful like the interiors and like the like the pub even just the pub is beautiful and so like just you know the pub the cost of so many good waistcoats like the just like the shots of you know of the irish sea kind of and like is it the irish yeah, whatever one of the seas around ireland and um but the thing, all of these things are beautiful if you stop to think, but the thing is that Patrick, or Colin Fowles' character, just as a defining trait, doesn't stop to think. Like, he's always sort of, like, bumbling through sentences. Mm-hmm. He's always sort of, like, you know, like, even if he stops to think, he's thinking too, like, fast ahead. Like, he, he and that is a way of showing that, like, um, it, it made this sort of a reprehensible fact about, like, Patrick. Like, for, for all of Colm's, like, objectively terrible, like, you know, maybe not objectively, but, like, terrible things that he does to Patrick, Patrick doesn't really stop to ask him, like, a, like, what do you want? Like, he does ask him, what do you want? Once he finds out about what Brendan Gleeson's character, like, what Colm's actually going through, like, he doesn't suddenly be like, like, by then he's in full, like, awful person mode. He's not like, you know, doesn't stop to ask him, like, what, what do you, what do you, what do you want? How can I help? Kind of like, but, and, it, and it calls, and it makes you question what the nature of, like, the friendship, the, like, between these two people is turned to. And because we do, like, you know, it doesn't happen dramatically, but we do drift in and out of people's lives. Like, we don't, like, yeah, that happens, that's happening all the time. That is a change that we have to accept. And and it was interesting how the back half of the movie, at least, is, I think, devoted to Podrick refusing to accept this change and refusing to, like, accept that his role in Calm's life could be changing. Well, yeah, what, uh, hold on. What do you think of how like it, it, the movie does kind of have that turn with respect to like Podrick and just Colin Farrell's performance overall? I mean, it's it's all pretty organic. Where like he's he's this lovable guy who just wants his friend, but it becomes like pretty possessive. Where like he just cannot take no for an answer. Where like the way that that Coleman's things is very sudden and very rude and unfair, and then Podrick just he cannot deal with it to the point that he will like try to recreate the the circumstances to try to get him to like him again where he gets drunk one night he's like you're not nice and i'm gonna remember all the nice people okay i don't know your mozart or whatever all right but i remember my sister and my parents and they're nice and then Gleason's like oh i think i like him again and then he does the same thing again where he goes to his house and then it it's working for a little bit and then he immediately blows it where like he goes in he barges down the door he's like i'm showing you that i am here all right and the second he sees that like that Colm might go for it he's like great i'll see you at the pub and but he also like he also does the the thing where 
there's the um the music student who comes to the island at least one of my favorite jokes and uh podrick like sees him he's like oh my gosh i just got a telegram it's about your mother it's like but my mother died it's like oh, sorry it was from your aunt uh your your dad he's he's uh he's he might die he's unwell it's like oh my god what happened he was hit by a bread van that's impossible it happens all the time he's like i know my mom got died because she was hit by a bread van it's i i love that like he ruins a whole other person's like like life and he like traumatizes them just so he can have them out of the way so he can be the only person that that Colm can focus on basically it does kind of slowly show how Podrick does have faults but at the same time like it's sometimes he is very very genuinely a nice person other times it's just kind of like it's just his disposition is to like cover his even sore spots with a veneer of niceness mm-hmm. and it kind of gets it like this idea that I've thought about a lot like is how valuable is niceness just simply as a character trait mm-hmm. you know like you can be a good person without being nice i do think that's probably the case but it's sometimes like you know there's mm-hmm. a line between like unfriendly and just not nice i suppose mm-hmm. and you don't want to cross that line but at the same time i do feel like i'm one of those people and i feel like you guys are probably close to that too where it's like you try and go out of your way to be nice to everyone i'm i'm just not a confrontational person i am generally nice to everyone and at the same time, like that can only get you so far, but at the same time, when you are like that, it doesn't mean you're entitled to certain things. And that's makes you probably not a good person yeah. if you think you are just because you're nice, but at the same, but at the same time, like it does, I, I can kind of identify a little bit with where he's coming from when it's like, wait, wh- why would someone not like me? Mm-hmm. Like I, I I've had moments like that before, but like, you gotta like, you gotta react to it in the right way. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, you know, he probably just thinks like I when he, when you're not smart to begin with, it's probably hard to just wrap your head around like the proper way to act when someone responds to you to your niceness in kind like that. And I, and, and I, I, at the same time, like I do think it like it, it, there's some question on the like what that means to the other people in your life too. And again, what I was kind of getting at when I was asking Arjun earlier, like what if anything are you owed? for that by someone else like when like if you if you're in need like you, you can only put so much on other people and i think I mean, we haven't really talked about we haven't talked about the sister at all yet mm-hmm. and i think that that's another really interesting part of this movie with carrie condon plays his plays his sister siobhan and i think it's uh i i, I guess i'm just really fascinated by Pat patrick and the colin farrell performance and just like how the, the movie kind of revolves around that guy who is like can put off this really specific kind of veneer of niceness but like there's so many different ways and different and different that varying level of effectiveness and and morality is like how to react to like a person like that. And I think it's pretty funny to, you know, contrast what Colm does and what Siobhan does. He's also not that nice. Like he demands niceness from Brendan Gleeson's character, but he's like yeah. kind of rude to, to Dominic, the uh, Barry Keegan mm-hmm. character. He's rude to the mm-hmm. shopkeeper. And then he like goes out of his way to embarrass the police officer uh, when he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, did you know this guy beat his son? <laughs> and then, makes him look bad. and like you know the cop in this movie sucks but like he's just a very mediocre person who can't handle his own mediocrity which you know not an uncommon you know trait of masculinity especially nowadays yeah no for sure uh i mean arjun did you did you did you have any other thoughts on that and just like uh in, in colin farrell's performance and what what you ultimately thought about how the movie treated that character I, I did really love Colin Farrell. He's like, he is, um, I would be happy with him like winning the Oscar for this. I was, I thought Carrie Condon was fantastic too. And I think it's like a really lovely contrast, like with the way that like, you know, Carrie Condon's character, like, like when faced with a fraction of, maybe not a fraction, but when faced with like, you know, 
an equal amount of, of the strife and the general air of unkindness and awfulness that seems to permeate the island. Carrie Connell's character like, deals with it quite maturely and like leaves. Actually, you know, um, doesn't she has much more of a sense of like what it means to be kind to someone versus nice. And like Colin, Colin Farrell's character, mm. maybe at some point he's both kind and nice, but the 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 kindness he any kindness he has erodes by the end of the movie. He like like is just nice and demands niceness in return. And that's you know he he tramples through several people's lives at the end, and it's it's really um, Colin Farrell had to do a lot for it to seem as layered as it does. And it's um and yeah, it's a very sort of layered performance. Like you see both. Podrick, like the, maybe not the real Podrick, but like, you know, the Podrick that like exists in that moment, the one who is currently ruining the lives of like 10 island residents, <laughs> but also the Podrick that he wants to be, the Podrick that like wants to be liked by this specific person. And it sort of brings to, you know, mind the, the question when you watch it, like who, whose opinion do you value? And like, what, what, like, what, is there anyone you would go to like, you know, that sort of length to and like, why? And yeah, and like, why? Like, why would why would you commit like do all of these objectively bad things to several people to be liked by one person? It's um the more self Colin Powell's character is just more and more selfish as you think about it more. Well, you also mentioned like Carrie Condon there having a better sense of what it means to be kind as opposed to nice in relation to him, but also like I think I think she's interesting to think about because I wanted to get to her more as as in terms of like her being the one that like has some direction in life in this entire movie. And whereas like, I mean, Colm has figured out that he wants more in life at like a much later age and uh, probably wishes he had done something a little like what she does in this movie where he like she up and leaves and I think becomes, goes to become a libra- librarian on the mainland or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think they do share, a, I think she shares at least one scene with Colm, right? And yes. correct me if I'm wrong, Holden. Yeah. And I, I got, I, it's just been, it's been too long since I've seen it. I can't remember everything that's really discussed in that You're scene. You're all thick and barren. Oh yeah. She gives him a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but at the same time, like she does up and do, does something with her life. Like he ultimately kind of wants, like he ultimately kind of wants to. So I think she probably does understand that a little bit but at the same time it's just like these two guys are just being so fucking immature mm. fucking immature i should say um, and <laughs> um i just found that um pretty interesting in that like this is obviously like a very limiting space but like at the same time and and so you kind of i think that when you're forced to think about that more and like how she has to she has to just straight up leave to like go actually accomplish something else as opposed to just sitting here with her brother that's gonna like probably suck the life out of her uh I, I think that also kind of goes to you maybe ultimately kind of like understanding where Colm is coming from at the end a little more like we were talking about earlier and how the movie just ultimately makes him more sympathetic. It's like, man, like her options are to like, she sees more value at some point in like going to the mainland where there's this war going on than like stick, sticking it out here. And that's, it's something interesting to ponder, I guess. Yeah, that I mean, look, there are many things that Martin McDonough does really, really well as a writer. I think he likes to tell a lot of stories about uh, boys and... Um, I think as a result, many of his the women in his films kind of suffer in their characterization. I do think Carrie Condon is probably the best, you know, woman character in any movie of his because that performance is just so electrifying because she has so much life and because she's actually genuinely funny. Um, and, and you feel for her and are very happy for her when she goes to the mainland to just you know get away from from this small town even though like by all accounts it's going to be more dangerous like the it, they're close enough to the war that a they can hear it and b the, the 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 cop character 
has been asked to uh to go help with um executions that he doesn't even know which side he's executing for i'm pretty sure it's the free states um but she yeah is like uh she has the sense to be like look i can't be the mother for both of you all right i need to go do my own thing because she also kind of sees you know colm's point like he's like look i want to make something that lasts and she's like okay that's fair i should probably leave and do my own thing because it's not going to happen here and yeah and things kind of fall apart when she leaves hmm. Yeah. Um, Arjun, did you, did, did you have any other feelings on Siobhan and her presence of the movie and kind of the way McDonough deployed her? I, yeah, I think like she is, um, yeah, one of the best like performances. Like, yeah, she's definitely on my ballot for, I think, Best Supporting Actress. Um, and very much like one of these performances that you can describe as sort of like the heart of a movie, like everything she says just seems to like make sort of moral sense. It's sort of like she is, is a character who knows very well again like when to be kind and when to be nice and then she leaves and that is very much you know the heart of the movie leaving like these characters sort of at least Podrick like falls into you know a further pit of despair once she leaves like and it's it's and starts you know doing all of these ridiculous things and it's it was a nice way to show that the people that can be stabilizing influences in their lives with, without just resorting to like having a woman in the kitchen standing standing there giving advice all the time she has agency as a character and she has and which would have, you know, having a woman sort of like just kind of stuck there and saying, well, it's 1923 or whatever. I was like, yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, it, it, it almost couldn't, wouldn't even blame them necessarily for that, given the times. But like, it seems like a very organic way to give her more agency than like maybe a, a movie of that time otherwise would. Yeah. And it's all to have the heart of your character disappear halfway through, like through the movie. But it's really, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it fits with, you know, what the movie's going for. Like, what do we... Like, what is the best way to be kind to someone? What, what, like, what's missing from these sort of, like, escalating feelings of owning friendship? So, and it's also not surprising that things uh, with between their conflict go even more off the rails once she is uh, out of the picture. Yeah, and she goes to do, like, like just, and not only hit me on, like, when, when you guys were talking about, it, like, talking about it just now, she goes to become a librarian on the mainland. So she goes to try and find, like, you know, a peaceful, quiet place to shelve books in the middle of a civil war. <laughs> and she would rather do that than stay on the island and like you know the atmosphere must be absolutely unbearable on the island and you do you get that and it, like if anything that was one, something i wish that the movie had gone through more i think if, if they'd explored sort of like you know calms fear more the atmosphere wouldn't have been maybe as unbearable for us to just like sit through but at times it really did succeed in the movie given the sort of, the sort of like you know taking all of this this and taking this beautiful set and making the atmosphere just unbearable yeah, it, and all of that is once Carrie Connor's character leaves, and that was a nice way of showing showing what like how she embodied the kind of kindness that matters to friendship. She's also the only one, the only character like we see her sort of let down uh, Dominic really easily um, when he's like, "Do you see her? Could you see yourself falling in love with a boy like me?" Because he clearly has a crush mm -hmm. on her, and it seems to be a very male dominated uh, island where young where, where men may never get married you know Colm and and Podrick do not have any significant others um there seem to be very few women and so he he asks her uh by this lake and she lets him down really really kindly and she's like no I'm sorry it's it's just not gonna work and he takes it really well or does he yeah exactly um and that's another element that like kind of goes to show what being on the silent does to people and well yeah that, that was next i was gonna i was gonna next ask you about that character anyway I feel like every every i've read a decent amount of reviews about this movie more so than usual since it's been so long since i've seen it and i think everyone's like well of course this character will be played by barry Gilgan. he's like 
perfect for this role and he it fits him like a glove and kind of the perfect guy to get what Martin McDonough is going for with this character that's a little bit of a you know a, a little bit of a town fool but like you know seems like he means very well and all that but like has like his own very very uh tr- his own traumas that he's dealing with as well and like you said he has shitty cop dad don't want to wish that on anyone what did you ultimately make of like his presence and like what McDonough wanted that to symbolize compared to like what he already had going on with Coleman Patrick. He, so yeah, Barry Keegan's fantastic. And I, what, well, what you were saying about like just um, the fact that he took it well, I think that was, you know, I, I don't, um, I, I can buy the fact that he took it well, like Siobhan is supposed like, like has is this sort of like stabilizing influence. And like, I can, that was a nice way of showing that like, you know, you, you, here's this like sort of like talent fool slash idiot slash drunk slash whatever, like, you know, based on the reputation that the characters built, nobody expects him to like take it well. And, you see sort of the value in that in that like like kindness like he takes it he, he you know he seemingly he takes it quite well and yet the atmosphere that's on this island is still just unbearable enough for him to like end presumably end his own life right it's it's the corrosive effects of just like try like possessiveness really sort of like play well with Barry Keegan's character it's sort of like anytime you've ever sort of turned on the news and thought like now nah, this is too much for me and just like turn it like you know as someone who watches watches a lot of news used to watch way more news like i just now it's just like like oh, like come on you know i can't can't really yeah. like this this already like i can't really be more like that sort of feeling it, it, like barry keegan's character is like just if you had lived a whole lifetime of that like sort of like not this again come on so i don't like yeah i i can totally buy that barry keegan's character took that rejection well because he's it's he's sort of like I think both of the McDonough's writing, both both of their writing, the brother's writing is very like humanist and it's very, the essential belief that people can be like good still. And, and Barry, Keegan's, Barry Keegan's character in this is quite essential to that. I think it's, you don't see like without just like Calm and Podrick are like at each other's throats, you know, the whole movie, you, you, you don't see almost what life can be without them. And sort of the tragedy of like what life can be without the sort of possessiveness and needing to own the time of other people. And in that I did see sort of, um, the fact that you could really set this anywhere you could like you could yeah you could set this you could set this kind of anywhere and because people you know maybe not sometimes in history but for the last while we've been sort of living through like traumatic times endless kind of like events and and you see the value of simple simple kindnesses in barry keegan's character even though this movie is ostensibly supposed to be about Padraig, like colin powell trying to pay a simple kindness to Colm by by being his friend you see sort of like obviously why that is so toxic and what like real sort of simple kindness in the time of need like looks like and i think um like one quick note i have this can this is going to seem unrelated but you know whatever it's, it's related i had before um a few months ago i think a couple months ago i rewatched the lord of the rings trilogy and one thing that i think uh, i got even though you know as someone whose favorite character is faramir i there are many things i'm mad about even though i love the the, the peter jackson movies um but one thing that I think it nailed perfectly is, um, you know, the sense of, I always hear people saying about Tolkien, why are there so many pas- passages about like trees or like, you know, passages about like describing trees and lakes and stuff. And I think Tolkien's books are essentially like they're men, they're not only this, but whatever, the, this is the part of that the movies came like played best, I think. They're almost like manuals of, for recovering from trauma, like how to showing that you need to be able to appreciate, you don't need to find passages about trees ridiculous, but you need to have faith that someone can. Like you need to be able to see the beauty in the minute in the world that's around us in order to sort of heal from sometimes trauma that's still going on. And 
that is that was a great thing that Martin McDonough wrote Barry Keegan's character with. He's like, and you know, all of them, but especially Colin Farrell and Barry Keegan. Colin Farrell or Podrick is someone who he like, you know, he has he has Jenny. He appreciates that side. He he's good at observing the simple beauty in life until he sort of escalates this whatever, like one man war with Brendan Gleason. And Barry Keegan's character is someone who doesn't know how, but can be taught, like can be taught to appreciate simple kindnesses and the simple things. And the world is just too much for him. Like he's still like, and you know, it's uh yeah, it was it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's fitting that he dies in the, you know, in this like where do they find him? Like creek or the river? Do they find him in the sea? I can't remember. In the waters. I can't remember. Yeah, no, no, it's, that's true. It's, it's the lake where they were at. Yeah, yeah, the, the oh, lake. Okay. Yeah, they, they find him in the lake, and it's fitting that he dies in sort of this place of great beauty. This place that has been up until this point is you know, this place of great beauty. It's sort of like how the sense of like this is what you took him from. This is when you by like this the, the atmosphere that's crawling all over the island now. This is what you know. It's the point at which um, Eric Hedin dies. Is the point that he can no longer appreciate the simple kindnesses of living, of, of seeing this, of seeing this the beauty and between people and just outside of people. Holden, did you have anything you want to add to that as far as just like as far as Dominic's presence in this movie? And we again we we didn't we we did mention the dad, but I think that just kind of goes to what Arjun is saying is that like man like. Uh, here's someone that potentially has the um has the disposition to maybe learn lessons in a way that Podrick and Colm haven't but it's this seems like the deck stacked against him a little bit yeah because he is far more decent than he initially seems because he seems just kind of like this wild card and that's the thing with uh Barry Keegan uh is that you only cast him if 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 you got an ulterior motive um, well, yeah, but that was the thing. Like, I was like almost like taken aback by just how uh, how genial of a presence he was. Because I mean, everyone's saying like, oh, of course he'd be the guy to play this role. But it's like, I mean, he's a great actor, so like, I don't, I'm not surprised he did a good job of it. But like, what, what do we know him for, really? I mean, like, I mean, people first saw him killing him a sacred deer. It's like one of the most disturbing characters I've seen in movies in the last five years. Yeah, you know, and like w- the the other decent. I mean, he actually occupied. He's actually pretty good in the Eternals, which is not a great movie, but he's good in the Eternals. Uh, he's he's the least objectionable part of that movie which i actually <laughs> i like eternals okay but yeah he's he's the thing that i think stands out the best um he actually occupies a similar similar role here as he does in like dunkirk um where he yeah you know sort of a um a sacrificial lamb um at sea at sea exactly <laughs> exactly another maritime death yeah i think he is just the thing that i am only now considering um is like you know, if he, whatever the reasons are for, because, you know, he dies, whether it's an accident or whether it's a suicide is never clarified. You can imagine it as either as him just sort of messing around. And of course, there's the thing where he sneaks up behind Siobhan and you get the sense that maybe they're on a dangerous field, literally, like on dangerous ground. Uh, or like, Again, this is a movie about men who just don't know how to talk about their feelings, like who more than being unable to communicate with each other, don't know how to form their own feelings within themselves. And like, you know, you see Podrick just moping all the time, especially at the beginning, where he like, can't just say, I'm sad that my friend doesn't want to be with me. He's like, I don't have to go to the pub every night. Maybe I just want to be home. And like Barry Keegan, like, is he so let down by his dad? Is he so let down by his friend who, who has just bragged about like, lying to to some innocent stranger about their parents dying uh, is he so let down by the one woman who is constantly kind of being mean to him up until that point um but is you know still nice in this one moment like that he 
is just too alone and and feels the need to to you know kill himself yeah i'm just i'm just remembering too the scene where like he gets to stay at their house for a night mm-hmm. i mean like that was because like again I'm, it's been a while since i've seen it and that, that just came back in my head as like a pretty a pretty heartbreaking moment too about how like i mean it's 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 a kind of a show of kindness it takes a lot of convincing but it's just, it kind of speaks to like the loneliness that he's feeling even as like one of the only characters in this movie that has a parental figure because i think yeah. we do learn that uh, I think we learned that Siobhan and uh, Patrick lost their parents when they were pretty young. Like eight years ago is, I think, when they say. So, like, oh, okay. It's yeah. been eight years? Oh, okay. I, for some reason, I thought I remember it differently. But either way, like, I mean, the, the only the only person here that still has a parent around, even though, like, him and all, all three of them are, in theory, young enough that their parents should be around, is, like, it's just kind of let down by him, and it's, it's it's even more lonely. And it's just, then he's just kind of, like, put put into that situation there with, uh, they even show him, like, uh, one night of kindness and, but like you know it's probably a little too little too late he's also much smarter than he's given credit for um like he knows you know different words he knows touche and things like that that he has to explain to um to podrick um like he he knows more than he lets on he's 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 much more more sophisticated and and more complex than i think uh he he initially seems there's there's multitudes to this guy yeah last couple things guys before we kind of wrap it up a little bit i we, we we have talked a little bit about how things just obviously got very escalated at the end, but I don't, I don't think we talk like that specifically about it yet. You know, eventually uh, we had, we got the, uh, we had, we, we had uh, Jenny accidentally choking on one of the fingers um, and that we, we, I think we did talk a little bit about the, you know, the scene where he finally go, where Patrick finally goes off on Colm a little bit and it Colm, and Colm seems to kind of soften a little bit at the end, but that doesn't stop Podrick from trying to, uh, like actually burned down his house like he says he's going to did you have any other just uh did you have any other thoughts on that yet origin that we didn't really get out about the way it escalates because i think i mean again it's it's this movie is largely about just how these things can how these things can like kind of fester if not handled the right way and i mean i think it's not surprising where martin mcdonough might take it somewhere like that um i mean and and i think and i think you were kind of saying how like maybe you might have liked the movie a little bit more as a whole if you kind of like got a little bit more of a sense of how they were feeling about other certain things that were going on around them throughout. So I'm curious to you, did it feel like a natural extension in this movie and just Martin McDonough's style that like, hey, things did just get ratcheted up that high? Or did it kind of work for you at that point based on what you had learned about the characters at that point in the movie? I do feel that the pacing as it went towards the end was a little bit sort of like, um, I don't know, maybe too, maybe not too rushed, but like it, it's sort of... Uh, yeah, maybe too rushed. Actually, like I like I, I wish we'd gotten a bit more time to sit with these characters and then like sit with like um you know, uh, Padraig realizing what he's doing, or sit with like Colm softening and like why and understanding where this loneliness is leading him. And um, it's um yeah, by the end of it, you you see that you know I I did love the ending note where uh, what what is it? he says to him like uh Colm says thanks for saving the dog, and then Patrick says anytime. That was the one thing that stopped me thinking like, oh, it's too late for these characters. It's 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 not that the characters have to have a hopeful ending or anything, but the movie treats them with enough compassion as you want them to at this point. I, I, did, I didn't appreciate sort of like the fact that it grounded it a little bit towards the end. I wish there had been something like, you know, they showed the sense of like time passing and they showed the, the sense of like what prompts these characters. Is it just like tiredness? Is it just like, you know, this sort of existential tiredness with this constant fighting? Is it just like, like what exactly prompts Colin Crowley to escalate versus what prompts like Colin, like you know Brendan Gleeson to soften a little bit I I but I didn't I didn't mind that you know it, it felt in character for Colin Farrell to escalate things a little bit you see hints of the possessiveness well early in the movie that it, it feels quite a it feels quite natural and Colin Farrell plays, plays it quite well like this is, this is an extension of his you know 
Colin Farrell's character in this is not someone who exactly someone who stops and thinks and stops and tries to introspect. He sort of like has to, you know, has to keep going and going and going. And yeah, after Barry Keegan's gone, you see, you know, just the the sense of like I, things that I like, the sense of like tragedy, the sense of like contemplative, like like this is what we're losing amongst ourselves. And this is I don't I don't I have like mixed thoughts on the way that it escalated, especially with the pacing. But you like you like the place he got to where they reflected on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I like those moments in Martin McDonough movies. I like those moments of like quiet reflection. I think he does that really well. The sort of like the bit, the things that I like, the bits that I liked in Three Billboards were moments of like that, like the, you know, aside from the awful CGI deer, but like the, uh, <laughs> like the you know the moment where um, uh, Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell sort of get in the car at like the end, or like that that the last that last ten minute stretch is almost them just like quietly reflecting, and. Uh, you know, even like in, in Rouge, obviously the best moments are the moments of like outright laughter or quiet reflection. It's, uh, yeah, I wish that we got a little bit more of that, especially with a movie that emphasizes the beauty of the world they live, they live in so much. I, I kind of like that you took it there because you kind of jumped up. I was going to kind of ask you guys about the last scene that we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I, I do want to get your thoughts on all that as well, Holden, because I kind of agree with Arjun in that like I even though I, I might have even been a little more charmed by Colin Farrell in, earlier in the movie than, than even you guys were. But like at the same time, it didn't necessarily feel like too big of a departure to have him like go take all the actions he does in the final act of this movie. How did you feel about the how McDonough balanced the tones and ultimately uh, kind of got Patrick to that point? I think it's a pretty natural progression for this character. I think especially given the, the relationship that uh, Patrick has with um, with Jenny, where he is so hurt that he has not only lost his friend in calm, that he's dealing with that, um, his sister has left, and then right as he gets home, he finds the fingers kind of leading a trail to, um, to the back of the house where he finds that Jenny was trying to eat them, and he finds one lodged in her throat, and he's, he's lost everyone he cares about. And then, you know, he's like, I'm gonna burn down your house very much in line with that. I'm going to cut off my fingers. Podrick, not a total monster. He saves the dog. Like he, he's still there. Like his sense of decency that is there, it, it persists. And it, it is, in my view, you know, just with, with the relative familiarity I have with uh, McDonough's work, it's very in line with him to do these, to have these very severe moments of, um, of, of, of violence and destruction. Um, that are really tangible, because um, it's not just like pew 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 guns ablazing. It's like I'm gonna break you, or I'm gonna break your things in your life that uh, that hold meaning to you, like the place where you live. I I think that all works, and then the sort of de-escalation where it does not make anyone feel better, and where Colm lets it happen, because Padraig tells him he's like this is gonna happen, and even when Colm helps him with the with the officer in the pub. He's like, nothing has changed. You know when it's happening. You can be there or if you want, um, but your house is going down. And then he writes that letter to his sister where he lies about Jenny being alive. He writes as though that Jenny is still alive and he lets the other animals in the house and trying to fill the, the space around him. And it's, it's just this very, very sad ending. But with, as, as, as Arjun pointed out, like it, it does end on, a note of grace where they, he thanks him for saving his dog and he says anytime and it is that's that's vital because otherwise the ending is is nihilism which works for some people um but is 
not McDonough's style, I think. You know, he 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 ends on a on a note of faint hope, which is important. Like things are very bad now, but if you can accept the kindness in others, then maybe we can sustain ourselves a little longer. Yeah, I I, I did find myself wondering, like, well. It's it's an interesting night, note to go out on. One of grace, some ambiguity, which I particularly like in an ending. But then I'm also like, well, is uh, is Patrick going to like take this too far now that he thinks they might have reached a, something even more uh, more warm than a detente? And maybe he's just going to like bug the shit out of Colm and want to help him now that he doesn't have arms and th- assume he needs help with everything and just want to be that guy for him. And Colm would rather just like die without hands than like actually like spend that much more time around him trying to help him like pick up basic things around his house or something. Maybe Colm moves in with him. He has the extra bed. Dominic's not moving in there like... like and his house is burned just, out. Yeah, he doesn't have a place to live. It's perfect. <laughs> He's <laughs> an indoor animal. Like it's like they're kind of meant for each other. Yeah. Uh Arjun, any other thoughts on the um the technical aspects of this movie? We've touched on it some. I don't know if there's much to add, but I wanted to give you guys both a chance to uh weigh in any anywhere else you wanted to because we talked about how it looks. Uh I've heard bits and pieces of the Card- Carter Burwell score in listening to other podcasts, and I think it strikes the right tone. Was there just anything about the else that stood out about the sound or the feel or the look of this movie that you wanted to highlight before you wrapped up? Yeah, um, I really liked, I, oh, I love the Carter Burwell score. Um, it was really, I love the sense that sort of, um, I don't know, I, I don't know if I want to call it like decay, but almost like the, like the, the stuff is like playing stuff on seemed to like sort of like get more like twangy and like sort of cracked and old and almost as if he used like period appropriate instruments. I want to say like it sounds as if he sort of did or like not just period appropriate instruments, but instruments that were being used in 1923 kind of like facing the you you see you you with with the score you really get the sense that what Colm was facing like you, you get the sense of existential like oh my god I'm like my life is you know finite. You get the despair. Um, I really love the visual like the look of the movie. It was really again like I loved situating them in this place of like beauty but whereas like you know, great physical beauty, like great, like the costumes, everything was good. It was like, and it wasn't just like good as in like detailed. It was good as in like they 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 wanted to make it look beautiful, and it did because to to try and contrast this sort of beautiful idyllic place with the the screaming or like the the war, like just right across the right across the ocean, right, and like you know the sense of pervasive ugliness that can close in on something so beautiful, sort of again as like a you know as a reflection of. The sense of pervasive ugliness that that's closing on Calm's life, and then the sense of pervasive ugliness that's closing in on uh, Podrick's life. The sort of like um, the loneliness and the yeah, I, I love that for some for a place that looked so beautiful, they managed to make it seem absolutely unbearable, which was mm-hmm. that's a good way of thinking about it. Uh, I, hold it, I I I I didn't I honestly did not have a ton to add to all that stuff that, um, but like I, I did like the point that Arjun made. It's in so much as like, and even if I didn't remember the the score all that well, I'd certainly remembered it like putting me in a different mindset from what that from what those that scenery might otherwise do. Was there anything else that really kind of jumped out to you technically about the film? Yeah, I think this is Martin McDonough's again. Like I said, I think it's his his best made film. Um, mm-hmm. obviously any well done period piece has a leg up in that sense, because you're, you're building something that no longer really exists. It's a, it's a trick in a, you know, in a very sort of, um, I, you know, not to say that in a way that's diminutive, um, or imply that, um, I really like the Carter Burwell score a lot. I've thought a lot of, about it since seeing the film and just how it starts, uh, on kind of this like gentle kind of major key and then becomes kind of dissonant right away, like something's not quite right. 
It's just a little off uh, kilter and then it just grows and grows. And uh, I love the look of it. Uh, really, his sense of place is so strong and place really matters to McDonough in his films. But I think, again, this is the, the most a place has felt alive since in Bruges. And, and that just has so much history and all of this Catholic imagery. And McDonough is from Ireland. Maybe he didn't grow up in an island like this. I actually think he moved to Ireland later. He was raised in, in England, but um, but he, he has lived in, in Ireland and, you know, his parents are from there. And so uh, he keeps coming back to this place and he just captures it so beautifully. And you have all these like um, earthy tones and textures, like this place that they're living in is old by our standards. It's also old by their standards, clearly. Like it's been around for, for a really, really, really long time. And I, I just love that that is used the, the means to a thematic end. And yeah, again, like I said earlier, the Ben Davis uh, photography, stunning. It moves really well, has a really strong rhythm in both the the way it's cut and in the dialogue, just fantastic piece of craft all around. Yeah, and one of the thing, I guess, I, I, when I, I noted at the very beginning of the podcast, how like I kind of expected to be bigger in scope, not that like I had a, a ton of reason to expect that, but I mean, like, you know, I guess, I don't know. I guess I just kind of assumed like after three billboards all taking place inside of one town, basically, and uh, in Bruges, largely kind of set in one location. I guess I just kind of maybe I just was assuming it was going to be something bigger. I'm really not sure. But I think I think, you know, if you're going to like to to have something not feel like, you know, um, I mean, I guess it has to feel claustrophobic in the right ways to serve that story. But I just think if you if you get everything else right about it, like it's going to it's just going to the magnitude of the movie is going to you know feel bigger than the actual geographic space of it. I suppose if you if you make everything else as vivid as it is. One other interesting thing about the music I when I was listening to McDonough on the DGA podcast said that uh, Brendan Gleeson actually composed the song he plays on the fiddle. Um, I didn't mean like he asked him to. And, uh, and McDonough was like, I don't know about that. Like Carter Burwell might be kind of offended if we're outsourcing the music to like one of our actors or something like that. But like, if it's really good, it's really good. You can go try and do it. And then like, whatever he, however he went about doing that, I don't know if he's trained a trained musician at all, or he just like sc screwed around on the fiddle to figure it out. But like he did something and they ended up using whatever it was that Gleason wrote for the song that Cole plays. So that that's really kind of bad. just like a little fun, <laughs> a, 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 a funny, a funny fact about it. Or maybe it was like, he, maybe he had to purposely make it bad. I don't, I, but like whatever it was, it served the purpose of the story. Well, like he, he, he got it right for what McDonough wanted, you know? Um, so that's kind of, that's, that's just a kind of a funny factoid. And it's like, I think it made sense that he was bad for what, what was going on with that character and how they wanted people to react to him in the moment. I don't, um, maybe, maybe you folks agree. I think when he plays it to him in the pub, it sounds terrible. Later on when he plays it, I think it's actually quite beautiful. Right. I think that's how I remember it too. Again, I, it's been, uh, it's been like, uh, almost three weeks since I've seen it now. Uh, but like that, 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 it, that, it, I guess it kind of makes sense because he's presumably been practicing a little more and then he's with the. With 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 his uh with his bandmates or whatever yeah. um at that point it sounded like crowded in the pub it was like it yeah even if it was the same song it sounded like it, it it sounded just much nicer being played directly than it was like in the pub surrounded by like you know the noise and I think a lot of this movie is in a sense of that like noise like the mental noise of you know like living next to a war how much like that really sort of like bears down on you and like you know the noise of like this constant like um oh my god you're gonna die without having accomplished anything noise like it's it's yeah it's um so it was fitting that it sounded with the noise of the pub it sounded awful and then you know played yeah a lot of it sounded like lovely i guess i guess i guess we all heard it a little differently um uh arjun uh any other final thoughts on the banshees of Inishirin before we wrap up i definitely didn't dislike it i like i, I like it quite i don't know if it'll make my you know top 10 or 15 or so but it'll but i do think um the performances were the strongest part i think 
Colin Farrell and Kerry Condon in particular. Brandon Gleason was great, but then Barry Keegan, every, all of the four main cast were like fantastic. But um, yeah, this is Colin Farrell's like sort of the best he's ever been. Really like plays a really fascinating character really well. And it was quite, yeah, a very interesting movie. Colin Farrell's just had a, cre- he just had a, a, such a, an interesting year at the movies, huh? Was it like Between after, after, after Yang, which is like so quiet yeah. and he's not playing a dummy. He's just playing a very quiet, but also like an actual legitimately like kind-hearted person in that movie. And then The Penguin. And um, thirteen lines just, it showed his range. I didn't see that. Uh, me neither. But if people like it. You know, it's like a, kind of back to basics. Ron Howard. Totally. Oh, and that, yeah, I totally forgot about thirteen lines, and it was on TV. Yeah, it was like saw a, it. a prime uh, movie. It basically, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, my parents like watched it either on Prime or TV or something because we used to, uh, we used to live in Thailand. So like when we when it came out, they were like, my parents were just immediately like, we have to you know we have to watch it. And um, yeah, it was um, that's yeah, that's sort of back to basics. Ron Howard. <laughs> it's like, but he oh, actually got good re- actually got good reviews. I really did not. It just kind of like. I don't know. It just kind of came and went, I guess, for me, and I just totally missed it. But maybe I'll check it out before. It sounds like that looks like one. Maybe that'd be worth. I'm gonna go visit my grandpa in Philadelphia from uh, December 22nd through 29th, and he's still a little wary of movie theaters for the whole COVID thing, even though he's fully vaccinated. Understandable. He's 86 years old, so I'm, I'm like trying to take stock of some stuff I can watch on streaming with him. That was like it looks like it's on Prime, so maybe I watch. I mean, I think Ron Howard is like you know right in grandpa grandpa wheelhouse, you know, in general, and on, on yeah. most things. Uh, so that I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I got reminded of that, but just, of, and they got 86% on tomatoes. So Seems just a good year for things. Colin Farrell. Um, yeah. Uh, Holden, any other final thoughts on the Banshees of Inner before we sign off? I'm just glad we got to talk about this. I think really getting into, into specific details actually elevated my appreciation of it. Me too. Even though Arjun didn't like it as much as I was expecting him to, even though again, Arjun doesn't say he disliked it, just not, didn't love it. Like he was hoping he would. Mm-hmm. I think like it's made me like it more just to say like yeah. to really have to actually dig in to get ready for it since it had been so long since I watched it. So I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you, uh, your, your appreciation of it was even enhanced a little. Yeah. It's just a, a really good, very funny, very sad. Um, uh, but, but I think very well realized work from, from a really, really talented writer and director. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arjun, any other things you've been watching recently you want to recommend for people before we sign off? I'm trying to think of what I watched recently. I sort of like, I mildly hate watched, I don't usually hate watch stuff, but I mildly hate watched the the Mindy Kaling Four Weddings and the Funeral miniseries mm-hmm. from a few years ago, which is like fine. There are some parts of it that play really well. There are some parts of it that just really don't. Um, immediately after watching it, I watched the Four Weddings and the Funeral movie, which is as ever, you know, incredible and brilliant and one of you know, I, I I love that movie very much, and I think um, yeah. As, as soon as I thought about, as soon as I watched, a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I watched it, I was like, okay, this would go on my sight and sound like top ten because it is like, it, it's you know, it's not just sort of the romantic. I didn't, know you, I, I didn't realize you were that high on it. That's good. That's oh, I love like it's it's really you know it's a like it's a perfect study of like but like deep friendships conducted through like small talk conversations almost. Like the whole movie is sort of like small talk and you see through people's just small talk or like their aversion to small talk, like what exactly friendship means to them and what exactly, like it's almost, you know, it's it's a very, uh, you know little to nothing about these characters and you also know little to nothing about them by the end of the movie. And it was a conscious choice by Richard Curtis to make them not talk about work and not talk about like, uh, because he was like, that's that's not what they these friends would talk about. And it's a testament to how good it is that it's still come, these characters all still come out very fleshed out, very like, it it, yeah. it takes a weird approach to a movie, whereas, you know, a lot of movies will make you identify with one of the characters or make you feel like you're one of them at certain points and another one at a different point and see what they're, you know, see inside their heads almost. This movie, I think, doesn't, this movie, I think doesn't do that at all. It makes you feel like you're 
a friend of them. Like it makes you feel as if you're another one in the group, just sort of like sitting like a fly on the wall, like watching them. And it doesn't necessarily bring you any closer to the characters, but they still come out, you know, very close to you. It's it's really, uh, yeah, it has it has a lovely way of like drawing out the universality of like, of, of, of just moments from people you don't know. Recordings in a Funeral is on HBO Max and people should watch it if they want to. Pretty cool that that movie like cracked the best picture lineup in 1994, like one of the all-time oh, years. Yeah. It's just that, that they found room for like a rom-com uh, or it's not really a rom-com. It's it's more than that, I would say. But like, not that it, nothing gets rom-coms, but there's just more obviously a little more going on in it than that. But like a movie that's like that, cracking a lineup that like with all those serious movies is really cool. And yeah. that's just cool the Academy did that in that year, you know? And like, I appreciate it on this rewatch, like how much... Um... I can see why they picked it once after this one because it's like it, it's really it's it's a very Lovecraft movie. It's very it's so like like it it's it's really like it's all there in the title. The movie really is literally just four weddings and a funeral. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. it really follows them outside of it. It barely follows them. You know, it's it's all conducted in these kind of like back rooms and like it's like the back room of a church or the back room of someone's like like you know someone's hotel while they're staying at a wedding. And you know, it's it's really it's it's a very tightly made edited movie. And the one the one hundred and twenty or so minutes there like like flies by. So um, I can I can see why they picked it. It's 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 very it's very good in that level too. So. Cool, uh, Holden. Anything else you've been watching recently that you'd like to recommend? Oh gosh, I'm always watching. You're stuff. always watching stuff. <laughs> but, um, uh, four weddings and a funeral. I have not seen. I need to watch that. Um, I've been re-watching a lot of stuff. I've uh, I'll, I'll shout out just sort of as an honorable mention. I've been going through um, uh, through Terrence Davies' uh, filmography. Um, which kind of left Criterion, but if it comes back, or if you're interested in finding those movies, they're well worth it. Uh, I'm up through House of Mirth at this point, but the one I will recommend, because it's very short, um, and because uh, at the time of this recording, the Sight and Sound um, 2022 lists have just come out, and um, one film that I hadn't really heard of, but but caught, uh, ranked very highly, at least on the critics' poll, which was um, a, an experimental short, Meshes of the Afternoon, it's kind of impossible to describe, but it's a, it's it's a really really wonderful just fourteen minute film by um, uh, Maya Darren and um, Alexander uh, Hamid, and uh, it's it's very strange and cyclical, and at least the way I saw it had no sound or score, which was was pretty fascinating. And even though it's kind of inscrutable, I found it to be so compelling. And I found myself very, very tense watching it. So I, I can't really argue with that feeling. And it's like 14 minutes. Everybody has 14 minutes in their day. Or if you don't normally have it and you find yourself wanting to fit in an avant-garde film from the, the 40s, it's well worth your time and, uh, and, and will help you or will make you think about cinema, cinema in a really... Mm-hmm interesting way i think okay well very good interesting different kind of recommendation oh arjun recommended uh, or or mentioned a who series in four legs in a funeral he didn't he, he didn't really want to actually highly recommend i'll mention uh i'll mention uh i'm, I'm halfway through the third season of rami which is a uh, which is you know rami Youssef's. Uh, i guess it's rami rami Youssef's. i'm i'm halfway through the third season of rami which is uh comedian rami Youssef's uh, uh show that's you know focuses on a different kind of 
person, not him, named Rami. As you've seen a lot of comedians do these kind of shows, but I think it's uh, obviously very different where it's kind of one of those types of shows because he's, you know, focusing on what it's like to be a Muslim American man going through going through life in America and while trying to like, you know, keep his faith, but, you know, find his own way amongst a family that's very overbearing. And uh, the third season is like really challenging so far. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'm enjoying it as much as I enjoyed the first few because they're making, he's making himself, his character, not so likable and his parents not so likable. And sometimes it really bugs me when like shows do that. It feels like they just want credit for making their characters unlikable. But I kind of have, I, I enjoyed the first two seasons like enough that I trust him to like, you know, that he, that it's going somewhere very smart with it. And um, I just, I just think it, it's very, it's very, very, it has a very different feel than a lot of these other like comedian shows that have come out, which I all, I like a lot of them to varying extents, but like, I just think he has a very unique point of view and it's fun to watch him, you know, him kind of put his character in all these misadventures around New York and they had a trip to Israel in this season where before the last season had a trip to uh, Egypt, but um, you know, uh, just very, 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 very interesting show that goes to some interesting places. And I highly recommend, I mean, I, I really highly recommend the first two seasons, uh, just an incredible uh, guest arc and a flex of Rami at the point at which he got uh, Marshall Ali to like be like in the entire second season. And it's just uh, really great. And I just kind of hope that like, I hope the third season reaches those heights, but even if it doesn't, it's still definitely worth watching. Holden, anything I can't remember. Do, do you want to plug anything social media wise, Letterboxd? Do you ever do anything like that? Just Letterboxd, H-I-O-T-S Martinson. And then uh, Instagram, I have bite-sized versions of, of, of whatever I post there um, at uh, Holden Otis Martinson. Let's see. Don't have a Twitter. I don't know if anyone will here shortly. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm too addicted to Twitter. I'm going down with the ship. If, 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 if I, I mean, I'll, I, you know, I, it's like a win-win for me. I mean, I, I get to keep my addiction if it sticks around. If it doesn't, it, it's, it's because just uh, Elon Musk is just like burned so much money if it if it does die. So you know, it's a kind of a win-win for me. Fair play. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, we'll be going to be working on some some more pictures here shortly. Got one in post, so that'll be fun. But other than that, no. I mean, just keep listening to the to the rewind. I appreciate that as always. Um, Arjun, I saw you made a letterbox list for your own little personal site and sound thing. Are you becoming slightly less enigmatic with your letterbox presence? Oh, I mean, you know, I basically use it just for lists. It's, it's just <laughs> probably Arjun if, uh, you know, that's, that's, um, uh, Daniel keeps trying to get me to use it for, um, actual movies. I think, uh, I will, when I have, uh, a steady job and then several days free from that steady job, because like, if I start on it now, it will ruin my life. It would be, yeah, it will ruin Fair my enough. life. Before. I will never stop logging, <laughs> logging things. Come on, um, but, join yeah, us, um, Arjun. <laughs> compulsively every day. I'm going to get to the point where I'm logging, like I'm, I'm going back to the same movie multiple times a day to adjust the star rating if that happens. Oh, gosh. I, it's, it's, if, if you're going to have that kind of crippling anxiety about it, then I don't, then I'll stop giving you a hard time. I don't know. <laughs> um, as usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy on Twitter and Letterbox J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Uh, podcast email is rewindmoviepod at gmail.com. Send feedback that way. Thanks again to Holden and uh, Arjun for joining me. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.